Please note our website has changed to riskcommentary.ca. You're listening to the Risk Commentary Podcast. Are you responsible for managing risk but feel frustrated with a confused process? Your host, Edward Robertson, has helped clients not only face uncertainty but also solve chronic business problems by using clear methods with a minimal footprint. Do it right and your people will smile, love the risk process and invite you back. Stay tuned to find out how. This is episode 13, Who is the Risk Champion? Well, at this point in the podcast series, you might have had the chance to do some risk identification on projects or programs and started to think about how to do full enterprise risk management implementation, or you haven't done any work on this yet and you're still trying to figure out actually who should lead the way. So I think my discussion today should be helpful to people who are already in a risk role of any description, or indeed owners, managers, or analysts who want to understand how to take on that role or actually delegate it. So our first consideration is that any program initiative whereby we expect people to alter their working methods is going to require a champion to lead the way, someone who understands and appreciates the value of the new practice, someone who can uh, speak to its theory, to the principles, someone who can act as a central resource to explain things and to act as a, a facilitator or a leader to help people demonstrate the new method, the new practice to themselves. So I will explain in more detail the formal training, the title, the functions, and so on of the risk champion or the enterprise risk management champion. But before I do that, it's important to set out the uh, assumptions that I have with respect to implementation. I'm suggesting a minimum of requirements, and the solution that you eventually come up with will be the result of the unique situation that you have in your organization. So I'm not being too demanding on exactly how this is done. I'm simply setting out certain principles that must be fulfilled in order to have success. For that reason, I don't insist on the number of people who take on this function, on whether it's a part-time or a full-time job, on whether it's a permanent position or a temporary position, nor do I insist on the formal title that is used. So the principle that I do insist on, which uh, will help you make all of those decisions, is this. Be a minimalist. Don't build bureaucracy. Don't build a whole layer of work where it's not needed. So you might say at this point, well, Edward, that's rather disingenuous on your part because you've already counseled us to fix the planning process, do environmental scan, write a context paper, and so on. Yes, I I admit that. However, if you compare the old regime where you were producing a certain amount of paper to get a certain result, and you compare the new regime, I'm betting that the the amount of paper you will actually produce will be less, but the quality infused in that paper will be higher. Furthermore, I do not advocate a whole proliferation of guidelines, policies, uh, tools and templates that are uh, extraneous to the work. In other words, I advocate going on an incremental basis and being a minimalist with regard to method and with regard to formal bureaucracy. The essential thing is to build in people's understanding a certain way of thinking and a certain methodology that they can integrate with their own uh, planning and management practice. And that's the way to build 
uh, ERM and integrate it with the DNA, so to speak, of the organization. So I won't get too much further into the implementation. That's subject for a later podcast episode. But just uh, bear in mind that as we discuss the ERM champion, the risk champion, if you have to make decisions on various aspects of that role, use that principle to guide you. That is the principle of being a minimalist with regard to bureaucracy. So with regard to the formal role and title, of course, if you're the chief risk officer or you've got some similar role and title in the organization, then you will have more authority and uh, more resources in order to pursue this this whole initiative. You know, in the latest uh, survey results from 2021, in the survey that I referred to back in episode number one, they said that fewer than half of the organizations had actually designated a CRO or a similar role in the organization. Therefore, we might see someone who's the risk champion or ERM champion to be someone who does not have the word risk in their title. On the other hand, they could have a risk-related role already, and that's quite common. So someone with a title such as risk analyst, emergency planning and risk analyst, risk manager, claims manager. In fact, someone who's responsible for managing the insurance portfolio is often delegated or designated to be the person who leads the ERM initiative. I do recommend, however, that someone who's not in a senior role gets sponsorship from an individual at that level. Now, this leads us to formal training. So in my opinion, for the general preparation of an ERM champion, there is no single type of conventional training in risk management, insurance, finance, or business administration that confers an advantage. This is because this is a young discipline. None of the training that I have seen so far captures all of the following. Uh, Facilitation skills, professional development training, change management and organizational development, program implementation principles. Exposure to any of these is, is great. The only formal training that I really recommend is to get training in facilitation, especially when you're going to be conducting risk ID in areas where the subject matter is highly contentious, sensitive, uh, charged with emotion, and so on. Now, as opposed to formal training, what I would really look for in an ERM champion is certain qualities, capacities, and background. So the first in these list of competencies is to have critical thinking and analytical skills. It's scarcely going to be possible for a person who takes on this role to sort of blindly copy a method. They're going to have to analyze the business, interpret the culture that they work in, and apply the methods accordingly. The second competency is leadership. Now, this is not leadership in the grandiose sense. This is leadership in a quiet and intelligent sense. We often hear that a good leader makes other people successful, and that's exactly what's required here. Are we looking for the risk champion to actually understand and manage all the risk in the organization? Of course not. We're we're asking this person to do skills transfer, to help demonstrate the method and to uh, transfer those skills to the program heads. So the risk champion will have to show some initiative beyond just these uh, initial trials, because in the course of these trials, people will be adjusting and developing the precise method that they want to use. And it's really up to the leader to coordinate those efforts, compare results, and help people come to a common decision as to the best methods and tools to use. Now, the other important function of a leader, as I indicated, is to be an intellectual resource, to be someone who can articulate the principles and discuss the potential value that people are endeavoring to realize by using risk methods. 
But again, there's a nuance here. It's not about the leader telling people what to do. This leads us to the qualities or skills of uh, influence and persuasion. Now, there's two tendencies in employing influence and persuasion. One is to convince people to accept something that is imposed. And the other, which is far more effective, is to align oneself with people's interests and then do some experimentation to let the new practice grow by virtue of its own merits. Okay, so people can start to see what value it delivers for them as they begin to experiment with it. That's the kind of influence and persuasion we're looking for. So I think you can get an idea of my implementation method when you consider the role that the ERM champion is taking on. It's not a command and control model where you uh, announce a new program and then impose it on people in a grandiose fashion, in sort of a monolithic fashion. No, it actually has to do with experimentation, proving value, um, although that does require someone to spearhead the, the initiative. There's no question. If that's not done, if you simply expect people to sort of experiment on their own and then report results, uh, the initiative will very likely die. So let's summarize uh, these functions of the risk champion. They're going to act as a central resource to be able to articulate the uh, value proposition. They're going to promote risk ownership. In other words, they're not going to be responsible for risk themselves, but they're going to promote people who are incurring risk within their various program areas to initiate risk ID methods to start to, to, to uh, take responsibility for their own risk ownership. They're going to lead experimentation, though, by leading sessions and transferring skills and experimenting with people. And then they're going to coordinate the work by making sure people are uh, converging upon common practices and tools. They'll report the results to the higher levels so that people can see what sort of uh, successes are possible using risk methods. And they'll also be responsible for uh, celebrating small successes, and this will help uh, with the organic growth of enterprise risk management in the organization. So as the enterprise risk management practice matures and more and more people are, are participating, um, it's going to be necessary to somehow coordinate data aggregation and reporting on sort of a, a grander scale. Similarly, the ERM champion will have to be cognizant of principles of program success as they lead the initiative from stage to stage. And we'll discuss in detail the principles of program success uh, when we cover implementation in a later episode. Now that leads me to discuss the reasons for program failure. And this is something that every owner, manager, risk champion, ERM champion must be aware of. The reason is that managers and analysts who are charged with instituting new programs of any description even if they're subject matter experts, they're not necessarily versed in the principles of program implementation, organizational development, change management, and so on. And I think this obviously accounts, at least to some degree, for all of the failure that we've seen in ERM implementation that's reflected in the surveys. You know, back in episode three, I talked about program failure both in IT and in management initiatives generally, and I gave you some reference articles, so check that out if you, if you missed that. The point is here, we want to cover some of these uh, principal reasons for program failure just so you can be aware of them. Um, and at a later time, we'll actually discuss the converse, that is the principles for program success, which are already you know, somewhat implied, but it's not exactly the same list. So this is the kind of thing that's really useful to take account of when you're either an ERM champion or a champion for any kind of management initiative. It's the thing that 
you know, most managers, quite frankly, they, they seem to miss it. And I scarcely remember anyone answering yes when I've asked them in various workshops over the years if they've received training in change management, uh, principles of program success, and so on. So the first thing to take account of is that when new policies or programs are contemplated in the organization, uh, it, they might be needed. They might make apparent sense, but it's the attitudes and behaviors of people who will block it, or it may fail due to administrative and technical mistakes. So let's take a look at just a half a dozen of the most common reasons. And in each case, what I'll try to do is, is state the implication for the Enterprise Risk Management Program. The first one is that there are unclear goals. That's a very common reason for program failure. If people don't know what success is supposed to look like, if they don't know what they're aiming at, then the whole program tends to sort of uh, dissolve and dissipate. So for enterprise risk management, the very first goal is simply to have some program areas agree to apply risk methods to their projects and programs to try to prove the method and then evaluate the results. The second common reason for program failure is lack of management support. In other words, management support, ironically, although it initiated the program, after a while dwindles and changes direction. So management uh, dedication is rather fickle in that regard, and that's a very common reason for program failure. So at the outset, we have to understand that management really has to have a commitment to giving enterprise risk management a fair trial. The third reason for program failure is lack of staff support. And of course, that's a common feature in many stories where programs have not lived up to their promised potential. What is the implication for enterprise risk management? It means simply that people will not adopt a new practice unless they can see the value in it for themselves, unless it helps them improve the quality and grade and efficiency of their own work. So the enterprise risk management champion who brings that understanding to the table when they lead risk ID trials and so on is much more likely to have success. Another common reason for program failure is poorly understood root cause. In other words, a new management practice or initiative is undertaken based on the wrong idea of the original problem. I think this happens in enterprise risk management because people try to institute a practice without understanding, as I've been pointing out in the earlier episodes, that it was deficient planning and poor formulation of goals and objectives that really scuttled the efforts to try to identify risk. Well, there are two more items that I want to discuss in this list of factors that are responsible for program failure, and one is... So my intention in today's podcast was to consider the role of the enterprise risk management champion with a view to either you taking on that role yourself or to consider how it might be delegated to somebody else in the organization. The only stipulation I had for arriving at your solution for enterprise risk management champion was that you observe the principle of minimalist with regard to... Uh, bureaucracy. Don't create a huge layer of bureaucracy and policy making and documentation where it's not required. So let's summarize the requirements. The first requirement for an implementation lead is not necessarily to be experienced in this, but to have an appreciation on a theoretical level for what we're trying to accomplish and what the possible benefits are, and is able to lead trial sessions to explore the value of the new practice. The next point is we don't insist on any particular formal training with the possible exception of facilitation skills, but rather what we look for is a certain background or a set of competencies. Critical thinking is necessary to be able to interpret the business context. So therefore, true success goes to the risk champion who can work with program areas to experiment with high-quality risk assessment and discover its utility. Thank you for listening. 
please note our website has changed to riskcommentary.ca. Visit today for episode transcripts as well as books and online courses. That's riskcommentary.ca.